This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning and welcome to Go To Grandma. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and if it's your first time tuning in, welcome. And if you've been here before, welcome back. We are the show for today's grandparents. We always have a mix of fun and facts, and this week's show is no different. February is Heart Month, and we had a fun Valentine's special last week. You can find it on the podcast. But today we get a bit more serious about our hearts, both our own and those hearts that live outside our bodies that we call our grandchildren. How many times have you said this to your kids or maybe even in front of your grandkids? Do you really think they should be eating that? I think they're getting fat. Or, come on, one or two cookies at grandma's house is fine. You're starving them. These statements are hurtful and harmful, and they can help contribute to unhealthy feelings about food that can last long past childhood. Dietitian Abby Langer joins me to talk about what not to say and do with kids around food and eating. Plus, she'll share some warning signs to watch out for if there's an issue with your grandkids' eating habits. Little kids grow up into adults, just like you and me, and some of us will unfortunately face heart health issues. Cardiologist Dr. Shelley Zeroth is going to define what heart failure really is, who it affects, and what we need to know about the symptoms. A very important discussion here on Go To Grandma Today. And my first awkward segue for today's show, maybe your heart just isn't into your U.S. property anymore, or maybe you need to make some changes to have it work for you. Our Take 5 with RBC series welcomes back Alain Forget from RBC, who is going to take us through the options of selling our U.S. property or maybe looking at refinancing it. It's a heart-filled show, so you ought to be listening today. We don't miss a beat, and I promise your time won't be spent in vain. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you're listening to Go To Grandma on Zoomer Radio. Dr. Shelley Zeroth is a cardiologist and director at Winnipeg's St. Boniface Hospital Heart Failure and Transplant Clinics. She is currently a professor in the College of Medicine, Max Rady Faculty of Health Sciences, University of Manitoba, as well as the director of the Heart Failure and Heart Transplant Clinics. Dr. Zeroth is involved in several heart failure clinic trials and focuses her research on the efficacy of new treatments. She works passionately with national and provincial groups to enhance both the quality and access to heart failure care, and she's a recognized global supporter and sponsor of women in medicine and cardiology. Today, Dr. Zeroth joins us to provide awareness around heart failure and how people can learn about the various symptoms and available resources. Thanks for joining us this morning, Dr. Zeroth. Tell me, what is heart failure? Well, a heart failure is uh, an increasingly frequent chronic condition, and it obviously involves the heart. A lot of people mistake it for heart attack. Mm. Heart attack is when people get blocked arteries, and that deprives the heart muscle uh, of energy, and, and it causes a lot of pain. Heart failure in particular is related to either a weakness or stiffness of the heart muscle itself. And that can result in symptoms related to shortness of breath, leg swelling and abdominal swelling because of fluid retention, and even fatigue. 
Wow. That's, I mean, so who is this affecting? It sounds like probably it's not a common condition, but probably affects quite a few people. Well, in Canada, there are 750,000 people wow. who are currently living with heart failure. And um, new numbers suggest that 100,000 people are diagnosed with this condition each year. Wow. And so they're living with heart failure, I guess. Yeah, they are living with heart failure. In fact, another interesting statistic is that one in three Canadians either knows somebody with heart failure or has heart failure themselves. So it is increasingly common. And, you know, it, it, as a chronic medical condition, it does also affect family members and support persons and caregivers. So, Dr. Ziarath, what do people need to know in terms, I assume, early diagnosis is important. What else can you tell us about what we really need to know about heart failure? Well, um, heart failure is preventable mm-hmm. in, in some circumstances. A lot of the cardiac risk factors that lead to heart attack are shared with heart failure as well. So, exercising regularly and watching your weight, all of that helps to avoid type 2 diabetes and hypertension, which are contributors, in fact, some of the biggest contributors to um, developing heart failure. You also want to avoid smoking because that promotes coronary artery disease. Know your cholesterol numbers because that promotes coronary artery disease. And really, you know, be aware. There are ways in which you can get an early diagnosis if you feel that you have symptoms. There are some blood tests that are available in certain regions of Canada uh, that can help make the diagnosis of heart failure. That's called uh, natriuretic peptide testing. Mm -hmm. And there are different heart scans as well that your provider can refer you for to help assist in the diagnosis of heart failure. So if I have received a diagnosis of heart failure from my uh, medical professional, from my doctor, what are sort of the things that we would do after that? Are there medications that we can take? Absolutely. And um, the good news is there are lifestyle changes that can be made. Uh, There's better medications now available and devices um, that can help people with heart failure live longer, healthier lives with better symptom control and improved quality of life. And in fact, um, you know, there's been a lot of advances in terms of research in the last, I'd say five years or so, in terms of the medications available to treat heart failure, both the heart failure type with um, a weak heart, as well as the heart failure type with a stiff heart. Is this genetic, uh, Dr. Zeroth, or is, you know, is it all lifestyle? Is it a bit of both? So there's, there's multiple causes mm. for heart failure. It can be hereditary. That's perhaps more rare. Um, it can be related to high blood pressure, diabetes, and those traditional cardiac risk factors. It could be related to heart attacks. It could be related to even pregnancy in women, um, chemotherapy mm. exposure, Alcohol is a toxin to the heart and can cause heart failure as well. And some people can also develop problems with the heart structure, including leaky valves, or they could be born with it as well. So the list of causes of heart failure, if you go into medical textbooks, in fact, 
can be hundreds of, of contributing factors. So really important to, uh, I guess, each case can be quite individual. Where can our listeners go right now to find out more information? Well, there are a number of very useful websites available for Canadians living with heart failure. And so let's start off with the Canadian Heart Failure Society's website. Mm-hmm. That is heartfailure.ca. In addition, uh, the Canadian Heart Failure Society works closely with several other partner organizations like the Heart and Stroke Foundation. They just launched a campaign about heart failure this month during Heart Month as well. Mm-hmm. So I would encourage everybody to check out the Heart and Stroke Foundation website. And I think finally, if you're an individual who's living with heart failure, we work very closely with a uh, patient advocacy and support group called Heart Life Foundation. And their website is heartlife.ca and has many resources that are patient-facing and really uh, provides a lot of useful tools for those people living with heart failure. Well, that's terrific. And we'll put some of those links in our show notes. And I know also on Twitter, we can find you, Dr. Zeroth, at Shelley Zeroth, and that's Z-I-E-R-O-T-H. And you also promote hashtag cardio Twitter um, for its rapid access to clinical trial data publications and free online access to medical education. So lots of information for us all to find out. I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be with you. Thanks. Abby Langer is a dietitian, author, and owner of Abby Langer Nutrition in Toronto. She has written for major publications such as Men's Health Magazine and the New York Times. She has followers from over 100 countries on her blog. She is the mother of two teen and preteen girls. Good morning, Abby Langer. It's such a pleasure to speak with you this morning. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. So, you know, as a grandparent, there's only so much sort of control, I suppose, if that's the right word, we could have over the eating habits of our grandkids. And, you know, we're the ones that are sort of known for the grandmas are the ones that say and have an extra cookie. I get that. But, you know, what can we do if we notice that our grandkids are really not having the best or the most healthy eating habits as far as we're concerned? What can we say and do to the kids or to their parents to be helpful and not harmful? You know, I think it starts with the parents. Kids don't really have the responsibility to purchase the groceries. They are basically eating what they're given. Mm -hmm. And so addressing it with them, I don't think is the right approach. I think that addressing it gently with the parents may uh, work better. But being open to everybody's situation, there's maybe a reason why the child is eating the way they do. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I think as a grandparent, it's a job to maybe oversee, but not to overstop. Oh, I like that expression. I think that's good. And I think in, in my family, my daughter and her husband are raising their two kids vegan. They're all vegan. I'm not, but we certainly do everything we can to support that. And I think that's really key. We used to joke about it a lot at the beginning, which is probably not great in retrospect. Um, but now I think, you know, everything we can do to make them comfortable with their diet, I think is important. Right. And I think it's important that we realize that we don't always see the full story. And it's reminding me of the fact that my younger child is 11. She, um, she, you know, she brings her lunch to school every day. And if you open up, I know her teacher looks in her lunch bag every day. Like she just is kind of nosy with all the kids' lunches. (laughs) And, uh, you know, when she does, I, I feel 
you know, afraid. I'm a dietitian, but she'll only see, you know, a Luna bar, <laughs> like a Cliff Luna bar and cookies. And she must think I'm a terrible parent. But in reality, Isabel won't eat anything else at right. lunchtime. This is not what I feed her all the time. I feed her lots of fruits and vegetables and whole grains and whatever at, at home. But for some reason, Isabel is petrified to eat in front of other kids. And ev- for years, I gave her fruits and vegetables and sandwiches. It would all come back uneaten. And you know what? Like, I'm just going to give her what she will eat for lunch. And then but if the teacher looks, she gets a snapshot. Right. So it's always important to keep that at the back of your mind. You're not maybe getting the full picture. There's a reason maybe yeah. why the kid's eating that way. I think that's really an important point, Abby. I, I love that in terms of we're just seeing a sliver of, you know, our snapshot, as you say, of what they're eating. We don't often see the whole thing. We just see them maybe once a week for dinner or, or whatever it is that we're seeing them eat. What about our own, you know, attitudes toward food? You know, if I see something like, oh, I'm not going to have the cake, I'm going to get fat, or I guess I have to go to the gym tomorrow, or, you know, oh, it's a special treat. I guess we should, you know, we should really be watching what we say and how we role model around our grandkids as well. Exactly. You know, people think, well, the kid's young, they're not listening, you know, they didn't hear me. Kids are like little sponges and (laughs) they soak up everything, including verbal and nonverbal cues around food and eating and your body and just talking about burning off food with exercise or talking about this is a bad food or I'm eating clean. It it absorbs into those kids' attitudes towards food and and their bodies and it's not healthy. So yeah, quit it with the diet talk and <laughs> all foods can fit and food is just food. It's not good or bad. That's right. And I guess if we are, you know, maybe I am on a diet or maybe I am doing something. It's I guess it's just we don't need to talk about it with them. We can just keep that to ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kids don't need to know about that at all. So what are the things we can watch out for if we feel like there is an issue with the way that maybe we do have the grandkid for whole days at a time? A lot of grandparents have had to step into the babysitting role during the pandemic and maybe the food that's being provided or the way they're eating is a concern. What should we be looking out for? So I just want to add something. I'm sorry. I want to go back and add that commenting about the child's body as well should not happen. Oh, thank you for raising that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I I, I just, I feel cringy when I say about, you know, someone, a grandparent, a parent, a parent's friend, whatever, commenting about their own body, but also about the child's body. Oh, you've gained weight. Oh, you know, you look thin. Just stop. Just don't do it. No, I think that's a really good point. I think grandparents can say, oh, what are, they, are you starving them? Like, I need to give right. them this. Or the opposite is you say, like, I don't really don't think you need that, right? So oh, that's should not be saying that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, it takes one comment uh, that you may give them offhand to establish a negative core belief in that child's uh, mind that will last them for a really long time. So just let's not go there. But what are the things you should be watching out for? You know, as a dietitian, when I would see children in my practice, what I really would look for is the gold standard. Are they falling down the growth charts Mm -hmm. or going up too fast? And I think, you know, two percentiles. Now, grandparents don't have this necessarily have access to the child's growth charts. But I think, you know, if you see an alarming drop in weight Mm -hmm. or an alarming gain in weight, it may be time to, you know, maybe mention something. Mm -hmm. However, it's important 
to remember that kids often grow out before they grow up, mm-hmm. especially uh, preteens. So when I worked in a clinic, I would get a lot of weight loss consults for kids who were like 11 and 12 and even up to 15. But these kids had put on a lot of weight, and that's normal mm-hmm. because they hadn't reached their height yet. And once they grow up, they they lean out. So, you know, just ensure that the child is getting what they need and then take a step back mm-hmm. and wait. I think that's terrific advice. And everything you're you're speaking about sort of talks that whole snapshot thing again, right? That probably not seeing the full picture of what they're eating by the same token. You know, maybe that's the year when they did drop weight or put on weight. And let's sort of, as long as their eating habits appear to be healthy, maybe not as much cause for concern or, or comment as we think. I think we all need to realize that under, you know, we might want to help, but we can do just as much damage or more mm-hmm. by doing it the wrong way. So it has to be done. And do not involve the child. Again, like no comments around the kid about what they're eating, no comments about their bodies. Just take them out of the equation and deal with the parents directly. And if the parent assures you that the child is eating well, then leave it. Because, you know, I think it's between the parent and the pediatrician. Mm -hmm. And that's it. You can only do so much. I love that advice. I think that's really great. And I know, Abby, remind us of your book, because I know there's a lot of advice in there that that parents and grandparents could take advantage of. So my book was published in January of 2021 by Simon & Schuster. It is called Good Food, Bad Diet. And it's essentially a how-to on healing your relationship with food. And uh, yeah, it's, it's valuable information for parents, grandparents, even teens. Yeah, great, great point, actually, where they're starting to take control, right, of what they're right. eating and their own nutrition. Right. And if we want to find out more information, we can go to abbylangernutrition.com, and that's A-B-B-Y-L-A-N-G-E-R, nutrition.com. You're on Twitter at Langer Nutrition, Instagram, as same at Langer Nutrition, and Facebook. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today, Abby. I really appreciated it. You're welcome. Take care. Alain Forger has been working for Royal Bank Financial Group for 42 years, holding various business and sales leadership roles in Canada, the Caribbean, and the U.S. He is passionate about helping Canadians purchase U.S. homes and works closely with consumers, real estate professionals, and other strategic partners to provide education and opportunity to Canadian buyers in the U.S. Alain is a licensed real estate agent in Florida and has his certified international property specialist designation. He holds a degree in finance, management, and investment. Good morning, Alain. Thanks for coming back on this show. The last time we talked about Canadians buying U.S. real estate and you shared highlights of the differences between Canadian and U.S. mortgages, how RBC Bank uses Canadian credit history to qualify, and a great program for home buyers called RBC Home Plus Advantage. And now you're back to discuss options for Canadians with U.S. properties who may want to sell or maybe refinance those properties. So let's review those options. What if I want to sell my U.S. property? What should I consider? Sure. Uh, Good day, Kathy, and thanks for having me. The first question they should ask is, where do you go, you know, next winter? (laughs) That's more seriously, at RBC Bank, we love home buyers, but with HPA and our real estate partners and tax legal advisors, we can offer some great support for sellers, too. 
So with more information at rbcbank.com backslash HPA. In addition to selling, there are some important facts that need to consider, such as market in Sunbelt State went up over 20% market value over the last year or so. So Canadians should understand the value of their U.S. home for leveraging some equity through home equity line, for example. Mm-hmm. And during the pandemic, many Canadians we know did not go to their U.S. property. So now they realize property may need updates, upgrades. Uh, so while selling is an option, they should also appreciate the fact that their U.S. equity without 30% foreign exchange is available for them. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's, that's great. I hadn't thought about that, that you probably haven't laid physical eyes on your property in about a year. For sure, yes. Or two years, or two years even, yeah. Or, two, or the last two years, exactly. So if I decide that I don't really want to sell the U.S. property, maybe, you know, I've looked into options on that. What else can I do if I want to, you know, release some of that money? What can I know about U.S. refinancing? Sure, uh, Kathy. With the equity, many people have built over time in the U.S., especially if they purchased like 10 years ago when the Canadian dollar was at par with the U.S. dollar. It is a timely uh, opportunity for them to consider for why why because interest rates are still historically low mm-hmm. and also they won't stay at that level for a long time as we know so as a national u.s residential lender for canadians only rbc bank can offer no or low fee home equity lines of credit or for homeowners can refinance also their u.s property lock the rate for their preferred term between three to ten years as a cash out mortgage and then use uh, the money to renovate their home, pay for upgrades, uh, updates, or cover U.S. bills and expenses, or maybe sometimes even special assessment that the homeowner association may have for them. So, but more importantly, to have U.S. cash on hand without concern of for fluctuating foreign exchange costs in the future. Yeah, it sounds like really RBC can help with end-to-end sort of. You're selling, you're refinancing, all of those things to do with your U.S. property. Exactly. And as we like to say, RBC Bank is the only U.S.-based bank designed specifically for Canadians. So we offer tools, resources, solutions, guides to help Canadians navigate their cross-border lifestyle. And of course, we use their Canadian credit story to support any banking or financing needs in the U.S. So basically, we provide also access to external trusted partners through our cross-border offers and more importantly also Home Plus Advantage programs at rbcbank.com backslash HPA. Back to you, Kiani. I was just going to ask you for that address and I know, Alain, you are also on LinkedIn if people want to find you there at alain-forget, F-O-R-G-E-T. I just have to ask you this quickly at the end too. I think you're a granddad, aren't you? I am a grandpapa and my lovely granddaughter lives in Colorado and I should say she's the youngest Colorado snowbirds because she has a room at grandpapa and grandmama house in sunny florida where she likes to spend time many especially in the winter oh i love it i love it and what is her name uh, well you can share how old is she she's two and a half and oh, her lovely. name is harper ray lovely and she's a uh, our, our lovely granddaughter she's just a little bit far from us but it's nice also for grandpa and grandma to visit her and beautiful Colorado as well. Well, I love it. I love it. Thanks for sharing that information about you understand the the value of being a grandparent and I love it. So thank you so much again for your time as part of this Take 5 with RBC series and look forward to speaking with you again, hopefully. Take care, Alan. Likewise. Thank you, Kathy. Have a great one. Thanks.
A good heart is worth gold. I wish I'd said that, but Shakespeare beat me to it by a few years. I know your time is gold to you, so thank you for joining me and my guests today. Have you heard the phrase range anxiety? No, it's nothing to do with our bodies, but with the biggest concern potential electric car buyers have. Episode number 29 next week will get you revved up as auto journalist Petrina Gentili comes on the show to talk about electric vehicles, which ones are right for you and how far they've come and literally how far they'll go. I've had an electric car for six years and I love it, especially now with our high gas prices. But it isn't perfect, especially in the winter. We'll get into that. Josie Vogels from Coldwell Banker Realty returns to the show to talk about what's happening in the marketplace as we see the start of an emergence from COVID and the return to work and a semblance of regular life. Multi-generational living became more commonplace during lockdowns and Josie will explain that particular market niche and what to look for or avoid if you are considering a more permanent arrangement. Our Take 5 with RBC series continues with insights from their RBC Financial Independence in Retirement poll. Thanks for spending your time with me today. Maybe you were listening to it on your electric car radio like I do. But if you can't get to us on a Saturday morning on a regular basis, remember, you can listen to us anytime on the podcast. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to Go To Grandma. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her, Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.